0: faith over fear series. Uh, This series is mostly focused on Hebrews 11 and and focusing on different characters of the faith, heroes of the faith. So as we read through this passage, there's lots of stories about Abraham and Moses and all of these guys. Uh, And then we get to this short verse in Hebrews 11, verse 20 to 21. It says, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Just a very short passage by Faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. So this morning I want to look at what does it mean to bless someone? What does it mean to bless someone? We're not going to focus a lot of time specifically on the story of of Jacob and Esau but we're going to talk about this this idea of what does it mean to bless and it's very interesting John is talking a lot about calling people up and encouraging them because that. That's in this same realm, we're going to some of the questions we're going to explore this morning are what does it mean to bless or to curse? We're going to look at both sides of it. How does this tie into faith? How do we bless others and uh, can Christians be under a curse? These are all kind of questions we're going to wrestle with this morning. So to start, I just want to ask you what? what do you think of when i say the word bless if i told you i'm going to go bless someone today what would you think i was going to do anyone what would be your natural thought oh jake's going to do this yeah do nice things, do nice things. yeah for sure yeah jeff Sometimes just acknowledging the phase, so sorry acknowledging them. Yep. Acknowledging a person, yeah, acknowledging a person with a phone call or praying for them. Yeah. Showing love. Yeah. Yeah. No, these are all, these are all things that for sure when usually the, when I think of the word bless, I think of like giving someone a gift or something like we're going to go bless that person. So let's give them a gift. That just pops into my mind. I don't know why. Uh, It's some of the language we use often. So now, what do you think of when I say the word curse? This is a bit of a heavier one. What just jumps to mind? First thought. Swearing, Swearing, yeah. Saying a swear word. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Wishing them something bad. Wishing them something bad, yeah. I think my mind jumps to both witchcraft, which is on the one end, and then saying a swear word on the other end. The word curse, we use it in different ways, right? So I wanted to ask you this because I think for these are two words that are biblical words that in our culture, we often use them in very different ways than the Bible uses them. We often use them in very different ways. In the Bible, blessings and curses are often verbal pronouncements that are vehicles of supernatural power. I want you to just listen to that again. They're vehicles of supernatural power. Sometimes when we think about blessings and curses, I think we, we think about them very lightly. Like they're just sending positive vibes to the person or they're just thinking good thoughts. But but no, in the scriptures, these are powerful pronouncements. They're very powerful. They're, they're words that are spoken by God or by humans that have uh, the ability to affect real change in the world. So I, I think, in many ways, our culture doesn't think about the supernatural power of our words. In many ways, our culture is very, uh, the philosophy of our culture is very naturalistic. And that we only think things are, there's only the physical realm. There's only, our words are just sound waves that come from my mouth and go to your ears. That's typically the philosophy of our our Western culture, is that everything is just physical. So, this is not the biblical worldview. And I think at times, we sometimes wear that Western worldview pretty pretty often, but I think we have to remove our Western glasses and put on the Jesus glasses. Sorry, this is the Western glasses here. I realize that it's weird that they're seeing sound waves we can't really see sound waves but (laughs) but we see things as physical we don't think about the spiritual realm the physical right there so in jesus when we put on the jesus glasses here's what jesus said about our words he said truly i tell you if anyone says to this mountain go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes what they say will happen it will be done for them does that sound like a a powerful view of words i think it does jesus also says truly i tell you whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven jesus is not talking about binding up a bale of hay or something like that he's saying with our words When we bind things with our words, we're binding them in the heavens as well. So the Jesus glasses, on the one hand, we see the physical, that's the sound waves. On the other hand, that's supposed to be wind representing the spirit. We see the physical and the spiritual. I don't know if that's helpful at all, but it it was helpful for me. So, this morning, I want us to take off our Western glasses and put on the Jesus glasses. I want us to see that our words have power. I want us to see that our words are not just physical vibrations. They are spiritual pronouncements as well. So, with all that said, let's move on to blessings. What does it mean to bless someone? my definition here is that blessings are words spoken by God or humans that invoke positive outcomes for a person's life they are words spoken by God or humans that invoke positive outcomes in a person's life so when I think about blessings I think about them as being in the same kind of realm as prayer uh, but they're not directed towards God they're directed towards people So when I pray, so let's just say I want to pray for Ajani. Say I want to pray for Ajani's protection. So I could pray and say, Lord, please protect Ajani. I'm looking up to God and I'm saying, Lord, please protect Ajani. The blessing version of that would be if I went to Ajani and said, may the Lord bless you with his protection. Do you see how it's a different, it's the similar realm, but it's a different focus. It's to the person. May the Lord bless you with protection. Now, I know what you're thinking. Doesn't that feel kind of weird? This feels a little strange. <laughs> am I the only one who feels that way? I, I'm not used to praying like this and blessing people like this. But but I think when we when we do it for the first time, it feels a little weird. It, it feels like am I speaking on behalf of God? Am I, is it okay to do this? Am I allowed to do this? But as we see, when we read some of the scriptures, we'll see that God actually desires for us to do this. So, what do blessings look like? So, there's actually a big difference between Old Testament blessings and New Testament blessings. In the Old Testament, blessings often invoke things like physical health, prosperity, military victory, high status, the ability to reproduce for women, and peace. So many of the blessings in the Old Testament are, have to do with those things. May the Lord keep you healthy. May the Lord increase your, your wealth. Those kind of things. So just for an example of that, now we'll go to the story of Isaac blessing Jacob. So when Isaac blesses Jacob, he says, he says, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. So he's saying, may God give you prosperity. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. So that's kind of status. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So that's peace. So it doesn't cover all of those things, but as you can see, it's a blessing that's talking about prosperity and having uh, wealth and status. And many of the Old Testament blessings are like that. As we move to the New Testament, we see that blessings really sound a lot different. They take a very different form. So New Testament blessings often invoke grace. Peace is a long list unity with one another increase in love for one another an increase in knowing god's will an increase in righteousness fruitfulness in our good works encouragement endurance power by the holy spirit do you notice a different kind of flavor in the in these blessings they're not so much about material wealth and and health they're more about growing in righteousness so, I think this is very much in line with Jesus' teachings on, on financial and material prosperity. Jesus didn't, he didn't tell his disciples to go pursue money and strike it rich. He said, seek first the kingdom and his, right, his righteousness. Seek first righteousness and all those things will be thrown in as well. Your, God will look after you financially. He'll look after you materially. So, we see that slight paradigm shift reflected in all of the New Testament blessings as well. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? So, here's an example of a New Testament blessing. This is 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12 to 13. So, Paul is saying this to the Thessalonian church. He says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other. And for everyone else just as ours does for you may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of god our father when our lord jesus comes with all his holy ones do you see how that is almost like a prayer but it's directed at the church he's saying may you grow in blamelessness may you grow in all of these things so Is that interesting to you I find this interesting because it's something I've never I didn't grow up blessing people and praying this kind of this way Uh, but I find this really interesting so if you want to learn more and start blessing people in these kind of ways the first thing I would encourage you to do is read through the New Testament blessings there's lots of them just read through them all and and take them to heart ponder the things that Paul blesses people with and then you can start doing the same thing as well. So that is what I have to say for blessings. We, if you have questions or thoughts, let's talk about it at the end together. So moving on curses. Dun, 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 dun. Curses. What is a curse? Curses are kind of the opposite of blessings. They're words spoken by God or humans that invoke harm or injury to come on someone. Sounds a little scary. We don't have to be afraid of curses. Oh, just a fun fact while I was researching this, there are 11 different Hebrew words for curse, 11 and six in the Greek. That's a lot of different ways to curse someone, isn't it? (laughs) You think about how people came up with that many ways to curse one another. I thought it was really interesting. Whereas blessing, there's only a couple words for bless. So in many ways, Old Testament curses are, they kind of invoke the opposite of blessings. So whereas blessings talk about health, curses will invoke sickness on people. Uh, they'll invoke poverty, military defeat, all of those things that are the opposite of blessings. Obviously, we don't want to curse people. <laughs> I hope you're on board with me in this and that as Christians we do not we're not called to curse. But um, as I said, there's so many different There's 11 different words for curses. And as we read through the Bible, there's so many different examples of curses happening. And so I put them all out here on a spectrum. So this is my curse spectrum that I made up. (laughs) So on the one hand, there's curses that are powerful declarations. So these are curses that where you invoke some harm on someone and it happens immediately and it has a physical consequence right away. So on this side, we see things like there's an example actually in the New Testament where Paul calls down a curse on someone to make him blind. Now, I don't think that's something we should be doing regularly, but this in this story, Paul comes to the man and says, you're opposing God. He, He speaks by the Holy Spirit and says, you're opposing God and because of that, you're gonna be blind for a time and the man goes blind instantly. So that is a powerful curse. That's a powerful declaration. I think I put on that side things like witchcraft as well because uh, witches and people who delve in the occult, they curse in those kind of ways where they seek to bring immediate harm on a person. I curse this person's health. I curse their, their prosperity, that kind of thing. So those are I would call those powerful declarations. On the other side, there's false statements about a person. So these are statements like that have to usually have to do with someone's identity. So if you go to someone and you say, why are you so blank? Why are you such a blank person? Add whatever word in you want there. Um, These are things that we do often, we say often, and those are curses as well. They're statements about someone's identity that are untrue, because those are not the way God sees us. So if you go to someone and you say, you are a liar, and that person is a follower of Christ, and they've repented and turned to Christ, uh, that's not a true statement. There's, there making a statement that's false and uh, that is a, a curse on the person as well. So uh, there's a biblical example of this kind of false statement uh, of a curse. So that's in 2nd Samuel 16 verse 5 to 8. Here this is about, about a story about King David and a guy who comes out and curses him. So it says as King David approached Bahurim. A man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shammai, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, listen to what he said. As he cursed, Shammai said, Get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel the Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul in whose place you have reigned the Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom you have come to ruin because you are a murderer do you notice the this is an identity statement this is a curse on David because he's saying you are a murderer this is your identity this is who you are The reason I wanted to focus a little bit on these false statements is because I think these are things that happen in our culture very often, don't they? These are the kind of curses that we may not go in our basement and pronounce a witchcraft curse on someone, but we often can pray or say those kind of curses on people's life. And I don't know about you, but the moment someone says something like that about your life, I've seen people totally crippled their entire lives because of one comment someone made when they were a child. Have any of you had a moment in your life when someone said something to you about your identity and it just stuck with you? Anyone want to raise a hand and show that? No one. (laughs) I think we all have. I think these are... We've all had people say comments about us that have stuck with us and they don't leave. So for me, this is kind of a funny example. You can laugh at me. I grew up when, uh, when I was growing up, people always made fun of me because I had really skinny legs. They would call me chicken legs. And You can laugh. It's okay. I'm, I'm over it now. <laughs> but people would always say, they would always just call me chicken legs. And Yeah, I'd kind of laugh it off, but inwardly, I would obviously take that to heart as a young person. I grew up so self-conscious about my legs. And you know, the thing was that I believed I needed to change my appearance in order to be more valuable. I think that was the lie that I was believing. That I had to change my appearance to be more valuable. And yeah, I grew up with that curse that was pronounced on me in a joking way, but it was a curse over my life and it affected the way I saw myself and the truth about myself. I've heard others, so many stories of, I heard a story of a lady whose, her dad would jokingly say things that about her, um, the things she did, he would always joke and say that she didn't do it good enough, even though he was just joking. Uh, She took it to heart. She grew up never feeling like she was good enough. So do you see how our words have power? Our words have power. Our curses have power. Even (laughs) even just looking at our current covid situation, the Ottawa protests, things like this. My heart just breaks for the way that we talk about one another. On both sides. My heart breaks to see Christians lobbing, cur- really curses on other people saying, I hope you do this. I hope you lose this. I hope you blank. These are curses people. These are curses. So we have to be so careful that our hearts desire good for other people, that we speak words that show we desire good for other people. If you forgot, I don't think you have forgot this verse, but Jesus tells us to bless those who curse us. If someone curses you, he tells you to bless them in return. So, let's be careful with our words. Let's be careful with our words. So, how do we break these curses that have been spoken over us? How do we break these curses that have been spoken over us? Well, the first thing I would say is um, believe that Jesus has taken on any curse against you already. Believe that Jesus on the cross took on the curse. Galatians 3 verse 13 to 14 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So, Paul's talking about the curse of the law here, but he says the blessing given to Abraham comes to us by faith in Christ. The blessing given to Abraham, God said to him, whoever blesses you, I will bless, whoever curses you, I will curse. So we have to believe that this, all of this has to do with belief. What do we believe? If we believe that we are under a curse, chances are we will fall under that curse. If we believe that Christ has taken on the curse for us when he died on the cross, that gives us power because he's the one who has killed off the curse in our life. We don't, going back to that spectrum thing, We don't have to worry if a witch puts puts a curse on us or anything like that because we are blessed we are god's people the bible says we are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in christ so but we have to believe that we have to have faith in that that's so important that we believe christ has taken on the curse for us amen any curse spoken against us christ has taken it on on the cross Secondly, I think it's important that we believe his truth about who you are. Believe who God, believe the things that God says about you are true. It's easy to say that. and It's easy to think that, yeah, I believe God's words about myself. But it's so, so easy for us to think about ourselves negatively. It's so easy to think about ourselves very critically. That's just a natural thing for us to do. So... I put a list up here if you can go there Andy, these are scriptural pronouncements of who you are in Christ. If you have turned your life to Christ and confessed your sin and and turned away from your sin, these are the things that you are. You are God's child. You are Christ's friend. There's scripture verses that go with all of these. I just didn't put them in there. You are justified in Christ. You are united with Christ in spirit. You're redeemed and forgiven of your sins. You're free from all condemnation. I can send this out later too, if you guys want to see this list. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you're born of God and the evil one can't touch you. That's what the scriptures say. If you're in Christ, you're the salt and light of the earth. You guys are the salt and the light of the earth. You are God's workmanship. You are chosen by God. There's more on this list. This is just a snippet. But do you see the the way that God loves us the way he sees us? Do you see how positively he looks at us? It's it it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that God would see us in this way, but he does. So when someone says something about our identity, or someone lodges a curse against you and says, you are this kind of person, you have to hold that thought captive and say, Lord, is that true? No, it's not. This is who I am in you. This is who I am in you. And I, I really think this is so important because this is the realm where the enemy seeks to, to move us away from God's truth. This realm of our mind and what we believe about ourselves is so important. This is the area we can, we can be so ineffective because we don't actually believe what God has said about us. So. If you'd like, I can send this list. There's more on this list. I can send it out to you and you can read over the scriptures and meditate on them. Think about them. Uh, Ask God to show you who you are in Christ. So that's pretty much all I have to say about curses. I think sometimes I've listened to a lot of sermons on curses and and heard people talk about it and sometimes it gets so complicated that, that you feel like, oh, every corner I turn, I'm going to feel like I'm under a curse or I have this problem in my life. I'm probably under a curse or these kind of things. Uh, but we're free in Christ. We are free in Christ. He took on the curse for us. So let's remain rooted in the scripture. Let's base our understanding of curses on the scriptures.